Hi, Mr. Winged F1 podcast, and Lewis Hamilton is a seven-time world champion. He's equaled Michael Schumacher's record, and here to discuss all that and what was a chaotic, incredible Turkish Grand Prix weekend. I've got Freddie Coates. I'm a very tired Adam Dickinson. How are you both feeling? I'm doing great. Um, yeah, tired. <laughs> Quite tired. <laughs> Um, I don't even know why, to be honest. I've not like lost tons of sleep recently, but yeah, I don't know. Is it because of the because of the rugby on Saturday? Um, I don't know. It was quite good. The Italy Scotland game was good. I don't know. Maybe maybe the race. Yeah, that's good. Well, not enough about that. Well, it's an it's an F one podcast. Energy. So oh, maybe the race is tapped with the energy out of me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's talk about Lewis Elton then. He won. Somehow, I don't even know how. I think at one point it was 30 <laughs> seconds off the lead, and then he ended up winning by like 25 to win at 30, Turkey for the second 35, time. 35, I think. Yeah, 35. Close to that. Uh, seven world titles. We all knew it was coming, but the way he did it, Freddie, I mean, what a drive today. Incredible. Yeah, wow. I mean, I'm kind of speechless about it. He stole that race victory. That's what Sebastian Vettel said in the press conference afterwards. Mm. That was the favourites for until 20 laps from the end for that was still Lance Stroll and Racing Point. And they, they had a, such a control on the lead. And Hamilton, even when he was showing a good look of pace, he couldn't get past Vettel. And there was nothing to say that he could definitely get past Perez. I think he was saved for that by the DRS being enabled midway through the race. And Based on the form, the form book of the qualifying of the race, of who could work their tyres when they needed to, everything had said not Mercedes. And Hamilton, in true Hamilton style, true Lewis Hamilton fashion, didn't listen to what was supposed to happen and just absolutely walked it and swept over everyone else, lapped his teammate, pulled the hood down on everyone and goes, ha ha, it's me, and absolutely nailed it. It's it's one of those races where I know it's it's um we're only a couple of hours after it recording this, but it still feels like wow I saw that race. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I think I think it's incredibly apt that in the race that he equaled the record for the most world championships, he did it by dispelling the biggest criticism of him which is it's all about the car he's only good because he's in yeah. the best car oh, because yeah. this race he won in spite of the car not because of it and as freddie says just kind of having witnessed that is feels incredible yeah all, all through the weekend he just hadn't you know he didn't really take part in any of the practice <laughs> sessions you know he did he did a yeah. few laps over yeah. <laughs> you know must be one of one of the lowest um number of laps completed over the practice sessions you know qualifying neither mercedes were kind of anywhere near and then he just completely pulled this out of the bag you know there in the in the race in kind of the second half second two-thirds of the race whatever yeah to have to do that it's just shows why he is such a great champion because some of the races you know people say oh if anyone was in the car they'd have won that but this is a race that only out of the current field anyway only he could have won i completely agree with that statement i think today only hamilton could have won in the position he was in because he was stuck behind Vettel for a long time but he 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 remained patient didn't do anything silly i think he only went wide a few times but other than that didn't really put a foot wrong and the way to manage those intermediates which were going off completely and they were worn down to the like carpus what's it called I don't know they were ancient tyres yeah they they became slick tyres at the end yeah the last time I've seen someone drive wet tyres well drive tyres to that level (coughs) wet tyres to that level of a track was Lewis Hamilton in Monaco 2016 a race he won because he knew how to work his tyres and yeah, Daniel Ricciardo had a duff pit stop. But Hamilton, in that race, um, stayed on the wet tyres when everyone else went to Inters in Monaco and then just jumped them all to dries. And in this race, he just stayed on the Inters because he can control the tyres. The, t- the top two finishers, him and Perez, are the two, driver- two best drivers on the grid at working their tyres by far, I'd say. 
and understanding these Pirelli tyres. And on the intermediates, which are definitely probably the most fickle of all the all the Pirelli range, the the, the slick tyres, the, the the intermediate laughs at the slick tyres, and people think they're having trouble with them. And to manage that to such a level to control where Perez was getting to the point where he thought his car was going, his tyres were going to explode at the end, he said, Hamilton just he he chose to stay out on those tyres rather than pit. Amazing, amazing. I'm speechless. Amazing. I just don't know how he keeps the same pace on 40, 50 lap intermediate tyres compared to, say, a Ferrari or Red Bull or Racing Point on brand new tyres. He keeps, mm. he does the same lap times. And it's just remarkable. I don't think there's ever been a driver like that who can have such a feel and manage those tyres to, to an extent where even the team are surprised at what he can do with it. <laughs> I mean the just the the tires. It's just if if you kind of imagine, you know, front of view of the tire and it's split into thirds. The middle third, at least, is just slick. Oh, it's yeah. it's just you know, there is no grip on it at all, and then <laughs> yeah, it's completely worn down. There's no tread, and you know, he kind of pulls up at the end, and you see that, and you think, how how on earth did he do it? It's it, when they it kind of. And I think at the end, he was going to pit kind of with two laps to go, I think. And he said, no, you know, just want to stay out. I think he also didn't want to do a Shanghai. And, <laughs> yeah, he said that. Into the, he? Yeah, but, you know, it just, oh, it, it's just when you see the tyres that he finished on at the end, you know, you don't kind of get, I guess, such a sense through the race or I don't anyway, of what, you know, a 30 lap difference between tyres looks like. And then you see it at the end and it's just, wow. They wouldn't even run the groove tires that long in like 2006 or seven. They wouldn't, if a groove tire was becoming a slick, they would pit and take it off. You don't, you don't run tires to that. Hamilton's had so many incidences with tires this year, one on three wheels in Silverstone. Um, he was able to make them last to get a brilliant second place the week later at the same Silverstone, same track, obviously. Um, and he's just, He's a step above the rest, and it's so plain to see. And I'm surprised that I'm surprised Bottas can come back and fight every weekend. How can how can you how can you have the gumption to assume that you can beat Lewis Hamilton? This guy is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, all the way from the first turn in Australia, 2007, when he went round the outside of Fernando <laughs> Alonso, to the last turn today, it's just been a monumental career and there's still more to come or there should be more to come you would think with an 8th, ninth, or even 10th world title perhaps Freddie where do you think when, when did you start thinking Hamilton had a chance today because I thought he'd have, I thought 20 laps in he might get a podium but there was no way he was going to win I think on the first lap he did brilliantly because he dropped the clutch better mm. than everyone else he controlled the grip and he was on the, the, the dirtier the less grippy side of the track and yet he just breezed past the Red Bulls, who once again in the wet completely failed their starts. They had the same in Hockenheim last year, Verstappen and Gasly that time, um, side by side in two and four to Mercedes one and three that year. And Mercedes just drove off the line really well, and the Red Bulls didn't, and had the same thing today. The Red Bull clutch just seems to not work in low grip conditions. Um, but Hamilton then just used that to his, his advantage and, and was running, I think. Uh, third for the first few laps and then did unfortunately go wide at turn 12 allowing um, allowing Vettel and I think Verstappen yeah. last as well um, and if it, if it wasn't for that I think Hamilton would have been right up there for so much more of the race I think I thought Hamilton didn't have I, I kept it I kept thinking how is he going to do it how is he going to do it and I know that's such a common thing with Hamilton and it's so often that we get it to a point with Hamilton you kind of think oh wait he's going long and he's going to win this race and he does but it's it, I think for me for quite a lot of that race it was well this is obviously just going to fall back into the rebels hands but it didn't and I was so surprised that it didn't they shot themselves in the foot a few times I believe it, yeah. it's genuinely I can't think of I mean this weekend kind of the whole weekend from really practice and qualifying but obviously the first half of the race too. This is the first weekend in ages that I've kind of 
thought, actually, I don't really back Hamilton to come through. Normally, you know, he won't turn up for the first time half of the weekend and then he'll get pole in Q3 and win by a streak. <laughs> and I always expect that. And I think this was the, the first race in absolutely ages that I've kind of just thought, I've not actually thought he would do that. And, you know, then, yeah, again, he just comes back and shocks us. Yeah, I, mean, I thought Verstappen was favourite for much of the race, to be honest. Uh, we'll get on to that later. Interestingly, this is the second biggest margin Hamilton has won a race by, the first being Silverstone in 2008. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just, I mean, I if think Hamilton, out of superlatives. Yeah, go on. If Hamilton wasn't going to be, I think with Silverstone in 2008, Hamilton got to the front very quickly. Um, mm. I think this could have been a similar performance based on his, his late stint. Um, second, only second stint, his intermediate stint from lap eight till lap 58 or whatever it was. And if, um, if Hamilton had been uh, the front quicker, he could have probably had a massive winning margin. I mean, I know the Ferraris were closing in at the end, but I think he was on the pace of them and they were on their fresh inters. So he was miles clear, miles clear. Great thing, brilliant. Yeah, for me, kind of Britain 08 is his first really great performance if you kind of pick in yeah. say five Hamilton performances I think Britain 08 would be yeah. his, the first one in his career um, so yeah to kind of finish or you know clinch his seventh world championship with a kind of similar similarly masterful yeah. performance is just incredible um, when kind of in terms of his career when did you both think actually he would could be able to get seven titles because I think for a lot of it it's only within the last couple of years that I've actually thought, oh, he could be on for this, really. Yeah, I mean... You go, Nigel. I was going to say, in 2013, I would have absolutely laughed in your face if, if you said he'd get seven, because he was only on one. I, I thought, you know, he might not even win another one, perhaps. Uh, so, I think I first thought about it was probably 2017, mm. where when he beat Vettel, and he had a slightly better car that year, but there wasn't much in it. But he wrapped it up with a few races to go. So I think, yeah, 2017, that end of 2017 was what I first thought of it, I guess. I don't even think 2017. For me, I think 2018. When he at, when yeah. 2018, when the, the, the guy in the other car did terribly Bottas in 2018. Because I think up until in 2017, we had, I, in my eye, we had the excuse of Bottas was just learning his time in Mercedes and he would get better. But Bottas got worse and Hamilton continued on his on his rise as he always does every year because we had seen 2014 and 2016 and, and um, parts of 2015 with Rosberg ho holding him so close to the line and hold, hold so close to the wire of any victory, any pole, any practice session that you would look at it and think, well, there's always genuine fight for this. There's always going to be a challenge. And I think it's not a dominant position. Yeah, the car's dominant, but it's not a dominant position with Rosberg and the team. But Rosberg left, Bottas came in, got three wins in 2017. You thought, okay, cool, this will ramp up a bit more, um, surely. But then Hamilton got 10 wins in, 11 wins in 2018, and Bottas got nil. So you look at that and think, okay, hang on a second. This guy is going to, it's inevitable, surely. But that was his fifth world title that year. So it's only really come on song recently for me to think that he's going to break all these records. I think I'm in a bit of denial that it, it's actually achievable to get to this state. And that's why I'm so, I'm waxing lyrical as hell in this podcast because I'm still, it's an incomprehensible number. A 94 victories, seven world championships. He's won half the championships he's competed in in Formula One. What the hell is this guy? I think I, think I was the same. I kind of, with the other records, because obviously there's more races now, you know, the pole positions, wins, podiums, all of that is, you know, kind of more explainable. Whereas with this one, I kind of never, I think because I always thought, you know, all it took was one bad year from him or Mercedes. Yeah. You know, and suddenly they can kind of be out of it because that's kind of what happened with McLaren. You know, yeah. at the end of 2008, you could have backed him to kind of, you know, go on and, you know, win two out of the next three years or whatever. And he just didn't, you know, because McLaren fell off. And I kind of always had that in my mind. So I'd kind of agree. It's probably only 2018, 2019 that I thought he, that I thought it was a kind of possibility. And 
championships are, you know, it's still, it's probably the easiest thing to compare to previous drivers. Yeah. Because, you know, you can't, as I've said, you know, you can only win one championship a year, whether it's 1950 or 2020. Mm. So, yeah, I think to, to have got to this stage is mind-blowing, as you said, with running out of superlatives. There's a lot of ways to look at it with um, numbers of races, because, yeah, it gives more opportunities for polls, more opportunities for race wins, but it also gives more opportunity for mental distress going through a season. And the weight on you as a driver, Schumacher's 17, 16 races for his championships, pretty much all of them, Hamilton's first championship as well. But this one, um, 17 races, but in circumstances around the world that are, uh, atrocious this year frankly and all the other championships have been about 20 races and next year 23 is the scheduled the scheduled number the amount of pressure that you've got to carry with you for the whole year it broke Nico Rosberg and I, I still admire Nico Rosberg to this day for how he coped with that 2016 year Hamilton obviously has just got another level to cope with this pressure that comes to him basically throughout every year from so early in the year, from mid-March to December, to have the weight of a team, the weight of a championship. And yeah, he holds the weight of everyone on his shoulders. He's such a, a, he's a driver that reaches out to everyone and can touch everyone. He's such a brilliant role model for the world. He said in his in-lap, he yeah. spoke about the, the dream and how everyone can achieve the dream and how he feels like he can be an inspiration to people. And he holds that on his back with pride, but also that comes with a cost of that's on your back when you're going for a championship. And so I think there's just so much that Hamilton has to carry and it makes it even harder, in my opinion, to fight for a championship in these circumstances. And I think also, sorry, I, th I think also because he, um, you know, he doesn't pull his punches, you know, he says things how it is, he is controversial. Some people don't like it, but it kind of because he's so successful, then you know he kind of able to say that. Yeah. But the flip right. side is, the flip side is, you know, if he stops winning races, if he has a bad weekend, everyone who hates his views on climate change or whatever will then just completely pile in on it, kind of whether it's his fault or not. You know, everyone's always looking for that weakness. People who don't like him are always looking for that weakness. And the and way he he's just, had weaknesses and not, built he on doesn't them. show it. Yeah. Ways have weaknesses and has built on them. When he's had a, a tough, a tough year in 2016, he came back and nailed it, and went and got into the head of Vettel and broke Vettel for 2017 mm -hmm. and 18 in the way that he did Rosberg to then win in 17 and 18 in a year. One of those years he definitely shouldn't have won. The start of 17, the Ferrari was the better car. End of 18, Ferrari was the better car. Well, most of 18, Ferrari was the better car. So just debate. <laughs> Yeah, and that's, that's why Hamilton is standing out because he's winning when he shouldn't win. He shouldn't have won today. He's winning when he shouldn't have won in some of these championships he's won. And the way he picks himself up from the, the lows like 2016 and pulls it back when he has, a, he has an awful race at Austria in the start of the year, crashed into Alex Albon. And he comes out and speaks candidly about how he feels. Yeah, that actually was my fault. And he knows how to look at himself. He's not a driver who's high on his own success. He's a driver who uses his own failure to build a success as well. Absolutely. And that's brilliant. Yeah, he learns every day. He learns every race. Uh, and he's, you know, P Peter Bonington, his race engineer, still says that he learns uh, loads of things every single Grand Prix weekend, which makes him even better and more, and more formidable against his opposition. It's just incredible. Uh, yeah, last thing on Halton is where does this one rank, I guess? Is it one of his best ones? Is it, is it the best one? Oh, Adam said earlier that 2008 is definitely... I'd say 2008 is still top. Um, really? I'd I say this is number two. 2008? I, yeah. Oh, that, well, that'd be towards the bottom for me. For the, the race win, Silverstone 2008. No, sorry, I meant the championship. Oh. Championship. Oh, sorry. championship. Oh. Championship. Okay. Yeah, 2008 I, knew, I knew what you meant, Nigel. <laughs> Uh, oh. I, I'd still put away up there to be fair, especially kind of look, looking at so young. You know, his second, second year in F1. He's yeah. had a heartbreak last year, you know, probably wasn't the better driver for a lot of the season, still got it done at Brazil. Um, I, I don't think it's his best just because 
a lot of the time he's not had a real challenge i'd say I you know agree. we we talk about this race and say yes it's brilliant and you know a lot right. of the races he has been showing his brilliance but he's kind of it's been an exhibition more than having to beat someone yeah. freddie is so deep in thought he's had to mute himself so we don't hear his mind whirring away um uh, uh, mine, mine's 2018 I'd have to say that's to say it's 2018 number one for me he started that year in a not the best way 2018 and mm. picked up and carried on and carried on and carried on and then superseded um, a very good form Bottas at the start of the year and a very good form Vettel for not the end of the year and he got the point so he got to the point where he could turn Vettel's talent against himself and make Vettel overdrive, force Ferrari into bringing upgrades that didn't work. And um, basically, yeah, forced that championship into, into his hands in 2018. I agree with 2008 as well, being up there, as you say, the way he picked himself up from the, the failure in 2007, which was, is still on his mind today. He said, you said, we said earlier. It's still on his mind today, his loss mm-hmm. in 2007. And so to pick himself up from 2008 and nearly lose that again at the final race to the forces out of, con- out of his control with the weather would have been horrific for, for such a young guy, only a couple of years older than us. And he, he picked himself up and depressing. managed to do that. It is depressing. Um, Landon Norris is younger than me. That's depressing. I, I think, yeah, that's because you're off. I think, um, I don't know. I might not. I don't, I'm thinking fourth, maybe. I think 2014 would probably be in the top three as well. So I, I think I'd put it fourth or fifth. I think, yeah. Kind of. Now global, I'm thinking about it. The global pressures it, add to it. The global pressures add to it. He's been. He's been fighting for racial equality this year more than ever before, it's and he's been doing that in such a way. Yeah. And he, he's... I'll give it fourth. I'll put it in the middle, fourth, because, yeah. yeah. It, it, it's, it's a, a difficult different question. Yeah. yeah. Nigel, where are you? They're all deserved. Well, my, well, 28 is first, and yeah, I'll probably have to agree with you. Fourth or fifth. Yeah. Mm. Just on kind of my final thought on this is what what can stop him winning next year I don't know next year <laughs> I don't know how good uh, the um, the pink Mercedes is going to be next year it made them look like a black racing point this week so who knows maybe next a year from uh, Mercedes Twitter yeah <laughs> um, I put it out yesterday they stole it from me um, and but I think there's 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 only that's all I can look at is maybe these guys getting a charge for next year because they've got nothing to lose for putting into a 2021 car. Um, Mercedes though they've been focusing on their tw- on their next year's car since July, so they're going to yeah, be leaps and ahead again. I think bar kind of exceptional freak accidents um, within F1. Because the thing is, I think Mercedes would have to have a significantly worse car because I think even if it's marginally worse, Hamilton and the team will make up for that. Yeah. So something would have to go drastically wrong with Mercedes car development is the only thing I can think of that that would really set them back. Or a team would have to cheat. I think I genuinely think you know, like Ferrari. I think. <laughs> that, that's what's gonna. That's what a team would have to do to stop him. Uh, I think there are a few changes with the floor and stuff. Nothing significant compared to twenty twenty two, the year after. Uh, Unless Mercedes forgot Williams, to fit a floor on. The Mercedes forget to fit a floor. That can stop. <laughs> are the tyres bigger next year, Freddie? Tyres bigger. Yeah, are the, are the tyres changing next year. Or was that They're year? not changing size. They're changing. Um, the compounds they got 2021 compounds okay uh, i don't know yeah. anything about the treads because they had a big dis- issue with the tread in like 2016 or 17 didn't they I th- the yeah tires. i think the tires like if they can't get them working for whatever reason but like which is which was the problem a few years I, ago i wouldn't be surprised if the tires are very similar to this year's though because these are 2019 car tires working on 2020 cars still pretty yeah Pretty well, actually, I'd say. We're going to go to Bahrain, and it's, the tyres will be fine there. So that'll be the. It'll be, if all goes to plan, which 
I, there's no reason why it shouldn't currently actually I think for the calendar next year then we won't have tracks like we've had uh, this weekend where it's freezing or Portimao where it's freezing or Imola where it's freezing because we won't, we'll only be in Europe in the summer and we'll be at flyways in their summers so hopefully I think it's going to be a bit more straightforward Greenland Greenland, Greenland. <laughs> is he going to go and race in the extreme E who knows yeah he'll probably win that <laughs> yeah so, not much can stop him, essentially, there, to answer your question, Adam, I don't think. Uh, I agree. Yeah. Although you just never know with sport like that. I always say I that. don't can't want it to stop for... him. I, I think... think... I always think you can't take things for granted and stuff. You, you never know when your success ends. And, uh, yeah. I that's, why I hate, that's why I hate it when they make all these T-shirts. <laughs> world champion. I'm like, no, don't do it. <laughs> You'll lose it. I mean, yeah, it's fine when you've got to the stage where Hamilton is now. But like, if it was a championship decider, final race, don't make a t-shirt for it because you'll lose. I saw a really interesting thing about the, I think it was the Super Bowl like 12 years ago, that like the same company makes it for both, makes the like champions t-shirts and stuff for both okay. teams. And it was, I think the New York Giants won, the New England Patriots lost, and they sent the um, losers to some like, you know, charity in Africa and some like, you know, football soccer team wore it, you know, some like kids soccer team wore it for their... That's really nice, matches. actually. Yeah, so oh. it's quite good. Recommend checking it out. Maybe some cart <laughs> team in South America can have yeah. 2020 championship t-shirts. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, there we go. That's our 20-minute chat on Lewis Hamilton. Seven Longer than that. Mm. Yeah. Well, however, however long, you, you know what? We could talk about Lewis Hamilton for hours, and you know, we don't have if he had all the time. Yeah, it'll be interesting <laughs> to see actually how much we've spoken about Lewis this year. We'll go Hamilton, Albon, um, probably probably Ferrari, and then yeah, I was going to say Leclerc. Um, who else we'd like? We like Perez. Like yeah. Oh, As a God, podcast, we like to, to talk about. <laughs> We're all impartial journalists. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Kvyat, have we ever spoken? Oh, we spoke about him in the Imola podcast. Yeah, we spoke yeah, about him. We don't him. really. But he didn't do anything oh, yeah, this like, weekend. He didn't of, appear. Yeah. We don't talk about... There are some drivers that don't get too much airtime, or when they do, it's only because they're going to lose their seat. Every weekend, <laughs> I have to remind myself who Antonio Giovinazzi is. <laughs> We still speak about the, some drivers more than Sky and Channel 4. Uh, no. Channel 4 at least don't have the time <laughs> to speak about anyone. That's no, the, I'm uh, gonna, someone's going to replay that clip when I'm a presenter on Sky and it's going to haunt me and I'm going to lose my job. That's good. I mean, uh, that, you know, if you get to that point, then, you know, there's worse things that can happen. <laughs> I mean, for, for me personally, I'd be more worried about whether I get there than whether it's yeah. Like twelve people listen to this podcast about them playing back at me in twenty years. Really, I mean, yes. when Alex Albans your co-presenter and it's Johnny oh. Herbert fashion, then you <laughs> <laughs> can see it now. <laughs> it's a great. Um, oh whenever God. on Channel Four, whenever like one of the Hasses is just involved in the crash at all, David Coulthard will just like completely blame them. They're just like, well, <laughs> that's what you get for racing by a Hass. Or like yesterday when Grosjean went out of quality. And like, you know, if it, it kind of felt like drivers were spinning all over the place. It was only a matter of time. And then he's like, well, it was a hass. <laughs> yeah, it was a hass. That's, That's why you get one next year. <laughs> it's the, Moving it's on. He had to spin into the only little watch. patch of gravel, didn't he? Poor Grosjean there, because they would... He probably still had a chance, and he's probably still had a chance of going quite well. But he had the only driver to get in a bit of gravel. No one hit a wall this whole weekend, apart from Giovinazzi tapping it with an end plate. How did no one else hit a wall? They weren't going fast enough to hit the wall. <laughs> yeah, why, why? Why was the condition so weird? Uh, say so weird, Freddie. Why was this, Why was the grip so well? Because it was just like driving on ice. It was incredible. I've never seen F1 like it. Well, they only finished resurfacing the track 12 days ago um, and a great expense for the, for the Istanbul Park owners. And I mean, fair enough to them because I think they were caught between a rock and a hard place in that if they didn't resurface it, it would have been bumpy all over the place. It would have been an atrocious, dirty, dusty track surface from 15 years ago. And it would have been in due dire need of a resurface anyway. And they'd have come here and said, oh, we've come to a track that we're not in, not in the 
the position to race at, really. But then Formula One has parachuted in and said, please, can we race here? We need a track. And the owners there, they did a good job, actually. They made the track was in fine condition to hold Formula One. It's just a shame that the resurfacing well, didn't get, a, didn't get the um, prior notice six months ago. Otherwise, probably would have been perfect conditions as a track, to be honest. But it's just, it's a bit of a shame, really, that that's happened on such a great track, but it's given us a brilliant race. Um, mm, so, yeah, the resurfacing just didn't allow for the grip from the tyres. It was too, it was so smooth. It was so good a job at resurfacing. I think it's, it's also kind of the explanation I heard is that when you resurface, it takes time for the kind of oil to come out of the track yeah. um, as it kind of dries out and it's still drying for kind of weeks and months afterwards. But it just hadn't had time to do that. And also Pirelli brought their hardest set of compounds, I believe, which just made it hardest to get any heat, get the tyres to deform, get the grips. But as Freddie said, you know, they've had a, you know, paid for the resurfacing at an enormous expense, but they've effectively bought one of the best races of the decade, one of the most memorable yeah. races that people are going to be talking about for years to come. It's a shame that it was kind of on the track where we could well have had a good race, regardless yeah. of you know, these conditions, but, you know, it gave us a good one in the end. Yeah. Um, it, it, for it, it makes it interesting for that Vietnamese gap we have. Yes. Because if they can run rental cars around it like they did on Friday night to try and put some grip into the track, because it is, as we know, a car rental centre is, um, is Istanbul Park. Um, so they can just drive cars around there every day, drive the rental cars around it until middle of April, when they maybe host round four of the 2021 Formula One Championship. Who knows? Yeah, Adam, you said in our preview podcast, um, you think this will be the race that will make people not want Turkey to come back. Yeah, well, that was, that was before I knew it was going to be unlike any other race mm. this year, which is saying something considering this year. Yeah, um, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll never know. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm very glad that it was such a good race, to be honest. It was a good jinx from you, mate. I rate it. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I, loved, I loved seeing the drivers working and soaring at the wheel because in, yeah. in F1, that's something we've really missed. And from other motorsport series, I see it a lot. And you can really tell you know, how a car's handling. But having, having the lack of grip and the drivers having to work their way round the corners to find the traction I absolutely, I absolutely loved it and I hope we see more of it in the future uh, so yeah I think that, that was the thing I, I liked I liked uh, the most and it also threw up a diff, some different results as well which we saw in qualifying with yes. Racing Point uh, Vance Stroll was on pole position I mean I, I was absolutely sh- Nearly swore shocked <laughs> just to see to see that it was unbelievable because I I have criticised him quite a bit on this mm. podcast, but the way at least he hadn't done it recently. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely didn't do it last week. About yeah. well, um, back. Wednesday, <laughs> preview podcast wasn't great with <laughs> foreshadowing, was it? No. So what? Uh, he, he just slapped me right round the face on what he did on I'm Saturday. Sure that's why he did it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that was an incredible. Like, what a performance! It came out of nowhere. Wholly uh, deserved. Wholly deserved pole position. He was yeah. the the best car on the day. I, in when it mattered and he did it and he didn't put a foot wrong and he had that lap to do it and he had the excitement of his teammate had gone faster so he obviously would have known that and he, he knew his, his um, tyres were working and he didn't let it get to his head he just put in the performance mm. drove the lap of his career and boy it was brilliant and it, it was great to see Lance Stroll get a pole position and he's had yeah he has had a rough time of it recently he had a good start to the year he's had some few good performances but yeah that was Brilliant. It was exceptional performance to genuinely earn pole position in Formula yeah. One, not a fluke pole position by any means that you can get in wet conditions where, say, everyone else drops off. That wasn't at all the case. He worked the tyres and he was a second and a half ahead of Perez. Nice one. Mm. A proper driver's lap. I absolutely loved it. I loved the team radio on the end lap when he found out he was mm. on pole position as well. The emotion of it. It was, it was one of the moments, if not the moment of the season for me. And that's 
coming from someone who's not Stroll's biggest fan. So, you know, take, mm. yeah. Wait, some <laughs> people aren't fans of Stroll. <laughs> you never know it from Twitter. <laughs> I think the the thing that I found most interesting, or maybe not the most interesting because Grover got pole, but um, one of the things I found the most interesting about qualifying was how two by two it was. So mm. you kind of had, you know, yeah, it was you know just team pairs in Q three, um, the same in Q two. Gasly was only the only one to kind of make it through from the Q1 teams and then he qualified 15th anyway. So I don't know how much there's to the cars and how much that says to the kind of preparation they've done from the practice sessions for, um, you know, on the weekend itself. But I did think that was quite an interesting takeaway from it. Yeah, that was weird, Adam, how the grid order was lined up. Uh, not as weird as the Mercedes being 6th and ninth, I think. Verstappen... <laughs> Uh, being second, so let, yeah. Let, let's talk about Red Bull actually. While we're talking about Verstappen, he could have been on pole position. He could have won the race, but instead, for me, I think he had one of the worst races of his career so far. Career, okay. Yeah, certainly Red Bull career. Yeah, Red Bull career. Actually, oh, I can't think of really that many bad races in his Toro Rosso career. Having said that, so yeah, maybe. Right, he, many races from his Toro Rosso career. To if. If he was out in front, or if he had pole position and if he was out in front after lap one, I think he would have absolutely dominated the race. But instead, he got stuck in traffic and he just, he overdrove the car to me well too much. He completely overdrove it. He was too eager, uh, knowing that it was his race to lose almost. And I don't know if it was the pressure or just his style, uh, but the movie tried to make on Perez. It was just stupid because he was going to get the move done within the next few corners probably because he can overtake down to the next turn and if not down to turn one. And I mean, that, that wasn't even halfway point of the race. It was so long to go. And all he had to do was just be patient like Hamilton was with the tyres. And then he had a couple more spins. It was just, it was so scruffy. It was, it was kind of like, I think China 2018. And Daniel oh, Ricciardo yeah. won from six. Verstappen had a big chance of winning that day, but he made so many mistakes in the last 20 laps. His, his race reminded me of that, the Verstappen of old. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's a one-off, though, but it, I think it just proves that he's not quite the finished article, I don't think. Uh, so, yeah, it was a pretty poor weekend from, from Verstappen. I think. Well, it was a good weekend up until it actually mattered. He did a yeah. Bottas. He did great all the yeah. weekend through, and then Q3 didn't get pole. The race didn't make it happen. Mm. I mean, it was the only race this year he's finished that he hasn't been on the podium. And mm. it's the race that you'd expect him to be on the podium the most, I'd say. And yeah. I think, yeah, you're right. He was overdriving the car. He always was on the back of a car, particularly in the early phases with, with um, him being... Where, um, behind Perez he dropped off a bit he was behind Vettel for ages once he got ahead of Vettel he stayed with Perez as Perez and him both pulled away from Vettel and Hamilton behind and um, with that he he was I think he was a bit I think you're right he was keen to get past he was a bit impatient he could sense Stroll getting away it's similar to um, Science in Monza um, who was told to be patient getting past Raikkonen because it would come to him but he was knew Gasly was getting up the road um, mm. Stroll was in at that particular point in the race, definitely Stroll was the man on track who was um, performing the best. He was pulling away from everyone. He had a 10-second gap to Perez behind, which is unbelievable. And I think Verstappen could sense, I need to get onto this, otherwise I will lose this race. Um, and he did overdrive the car completely and unfortunately spun it, flat spoiled his tyres, which were already in a dire condition, being tucked up behind a car for so long. They, his tyres were already falling off. But when he spun, a flat spot was waiting to happen, and that's what happened. And he, we had an ambitious, I want to say, three-stop strategy, um, which didn't quite pay off, I think we can say. I, th I think just this race kind of show, yeah, a lot of the time you get comparisons between those and Verstappen, and we've done it in the past. I think this just shows he still has a bit of a way to go. You know, he can be as good as Lewis 80 90% of the time, but there's still that. 20 or 10% that, you know, he's just 
falls off a bit. And, you know, here's the rain master in waiting once Lewis retires. But again, you know, just a lot of learning points from this. And I think he will learn from them. He's matured. Yeah, I think what people, the haters of Hamilton say, oh, look at Germany 2018. No, Hamilton was awful then, but Verstappen won the race. Well, I feel this was different. I don't, Hamilton didn't overdrive that day. Was Verstappen all race? He just looked. He didn't look right. He never looked comfortable. Hamilton when, didn't look wrong car. today. Yeah. yeah. How many times did did we see a rebel spinning? I don't know. Quite a few today. Quite a few. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Verstappen well, I mean, saw, Alvin, but we saw a Mercedes spinning. <laughs> we, saw, we saw a Mercedes spinning quite a lot today, but it was all Bottas rather than uh, yeah. yeah we've probably all got a lot to say <laughs> on some of that. Um, yeah. I I do think on. On Max, he was. I think I saw a few of the post-race interviews with him. He was actually he was remarkably circumspect about his performance. I think he wasn't happy with it, but I think he knew what he wasn't happy with and what to learn from. So I think this race, I think we can safely say already that Max Verstappen is going to learn from this race greatly, and it is going to pay so much. This race is going to be looked back on by him as a race that will define his future quite a lot. I think. And it is a baton race in a way with it, with um, Hamilton winning his seventh title. It's a race where you st- we still are looking back at who's next, really. Mm. And I think Verstappen is looking at that as well. Just just one more on this. Oh, sorry. Um, just one more on this is that um, in, in the week, the BBC uh, check and flag did a podcast about Mercedes. Um, and the race did one as well. And they were talking about, I think Total Wolf, although also James Allison said, you know, kind of their mantra has always been, you, you lose, a, you learn a lot more from when you lose than when you win. And, you know, I think this is kind of, this is where Max needs to show that he is kind of, you know, not necessarily Mercedes materially in waiting, but, you know, capable of kind of having that mentality because that is, you know, what the great drivers show. Sorry, Nigel. No, it's all right. Yeah, I think, I think it was best to move on quickly because we have, yeah. we have spent a lot of this podcast <laughs> talking about Halton. Uh, yeah. I'm going to jump back to Stroll now. I don't know what, what... I'm doing a really bad job at presenting. Hey, you're winging it. You're winging it. Stroll started from pole and his first, the first half of the race was quite amazing, really. He pulled out a 10-second lead at one point. Uh, but then it all went wrong. What went wrong, Freddie? They were, they were coaxed by... Um, other teams going on to a second set of intermediates. Um, Charles Leclerc, Max Verstappen from, led from a spin, to be fair, but were going a good few seconds a lap faster on their intermediates than they had been um, previously on their older intermediates. And so, as the leaders, Racing Point thought, well, we've got to conserve this position. The best way to conserve this position is to be aggressive on strategy. We've seen that before. That's very true in some situations. Um, so they thought, okay, well, let's get the march on the guys behind, the Vettels, the Hamiltons, uh, the Perezes even, um, and, and the Albon, who was there as well, and put on some intermediates and then go a few seconds faster a lap in, in the clear air and be able to work those tyres. We've been, Racing Point's mindset would have been, we've been good on the intermediates all weekend. They're our tyre. Um, and it's just, they just didn't switch on at all for him. And I think they were lulled in, into a bit of a faux sense of lulled into a bit of a false sense of security. I said lulled into a sense of security before then. <laughs> they were lulled into a false sense of security by Verstappen and Leclerc's times because I think those times were um, compounded by previous traffic. Um, I think Leclerc was stuck behind Magnussen for a very long time and couldn't get past and was able to go into clear air and then show a bit more of his skill in the pace in that car because he was up there fighting for the podium at the end. Leclerc was very fast today. He got caught in traffic for the first 20-odd laps, I think. Um, which is a bit of a shame for him because he could have been well in the fight for the lead at one point, I'd say, um, on his late race pace. So I think Racing Point, and with everyone else, and with every commentator, me included, watching the race, thinking, well, yeah, they've got to go into the fresh intermediates because they're not going to get to drive and this next set of intermediates aren't going to last. Was it a mistake with hindsight? I don't think it was. Hindsight, I don't know. Because... Um, the tyres were all, look at Perez's, look at Perez. He, he was in your clutches of the Ferraris. One more lap, he would have been fourth. He would be fifth. Science was behind him. Um, would, uh, so I don't think so. I think Stroll would have fallen back more. Yeah. 
I think, well, I think Stroll didn't oh, manage yes. his tyres well enough, personally. Uh, which is why he always had to... I, I think if he didn't pit, he would have gone backwards. So he would have had to pit it anyway. But then, yeah, and that's... Well, all- because like, you don't know how to manage tyres in a wet race. You don't know the conditions. You're looking at yeah. that, you think it's drying up. Okay, we think it's going to get drier. We, they were talking about slicks for 30 laps. And never, no one went on to slicks. So there was, I think, there was always that mindset of, well, we can push because we're going to go on to slicks soon. And it's, it's, a hard, it, it's all hindsight because I think, I think you're right. I think they did do the right decision at the time. I, yeah, I'd kind of agree. I was on the BBC commentators said oh it's a yeah that's the right decision and then yeah. about three laps later when it wasn't working they were saying oh it's the wrong decision I mean he had Perez right up against him and I think Hamilton closing in yeah. so they did need to do something you know they couldn't they either had to let Perez through on track or pit and I'd actually argue that it worked for racing point because they had two drivers up there they there was disagreement on which strategy would be best and they I think, you know, they split it up. They gave each driver the best strategy for them. You know, would Stroll have been able to go to the end carrying on on those tyres? Probably not. I, I think, you know, and I think he'd probably do as good a job of Perez as kind of, you know, pitting, carving back up through the field, to be honest, because that's more what driver he is. And they ended up with a podium. So I'd actually argue, yes, it's bad for Stroll, but I think it worked in that, you know, they were able to split their strategy and they got a podium out of it. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, uh, I think the only problem Stroll had was he couldn't switch the tire on, like Freddie said. Yeah. And I think that's more bit more a car thing. I think for whatever reason, it's a bit racing, strange though, because they were intermediate so much better than everyone else. I think it was a track conditions well. though, because it was a lot wetter earlier in, in the race. Okay. I think racing point, they, were, they they overheated the tires with Stroll when, when the right. track was drier. I think, which is why it was so good in qualifying because they were, they were able to fire the tires up. Do we think any if any car would have worked on slicks then? Do we think it could have been the racing point? Yeah, hundred percent. I think so. Yeah, with the way it fired up the intermediates and qualified when the Red Bull couldn't at all. Mm. I think yeah, if there was if there were, if it, if there was a team that was going to take a gamble, it should have been them, which would have been really interesting. <laughs> it would have been very interesting. I, I really hope um, Lance takes the positives from this weekend because oh, it's yeah. be so easy for him to. Finish this weekend in a quagmire. I finished ninth. The car just, I couldn't get it working. I couldn't get the tyres working. My teammates finished second. He's so much better on tyres than me, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. He could really spiral his mind like that. And I really hope he takes this weekend as it comes with a pole position. The first pole position for that team since they were Jules and I think in 1999 or something. Physicella and Spa. Physicella and Spa. That's true. <laughs> it's very true. Thousands first of Canadian since 97. That's maybe yeah. what I'm thinking. That was an no. interesting stuff. I'm surprised only two Canadians have got, but prior to this, only two, the two Villeneuve's have got poles, actually. He's yeah. got half the amount of poles of Gilles Villeneuve. Um, <laughs> but yeah, hopefully Lance can take that because he, yeah, he deserves a good result from that qualifying performance. And yeah. hopefully Racing Point can take that forwards to Bahrain, a track that arguably this year would suit them quite nicely and mm. can can win the race there instead. <laughs> no, yeah, that would be a brain affected race. <laughs> hey, hey, it can happen. It can no, rain. There's no rain in Bahrain. Oh. <laughs> hey. The rain uh, in Bahrain stays mostly on the plane. But the pain uh, stays in Turkey. Yes. Uh, there was no pain for Sebastian Vettel. He oh, got a podium no. uh, for the first time since... Last year, yeah. Mexico last year, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Mexico last year. Uh, I mean, who saw that coming? I don't think anyone did. Uh, It was, I think, (laughs) was the driver of the day. I I agree. Uh, He was outstanding. He didn't put a foot wrong at all. Mm. I don't even recall him going wide, really. Uh, And, yeah, his start was amazing. He got to fourth or fifth on the first lap, or at the end of of the first lap. From 11. And he really... Yeah, he really managed his tyres really well. It was a great performance. What really stood out to me from Vettel's drive, I agree with you, driver of the day, definitely, I'd say, actually. Him and Hamilton, um, Mm. yeah, definitely right up there. Um, The way he held Hamilton behind for half the race was fantastic because you could tell the performance was coming to Mercedes as the conditions became more ordinary. 
you could tell the Mercedes was picking up its pace. And when Vettel did pit later on to let Hamilton, did let Hamilton go through and get the win, essentially, if Vettel had been would would, would been carrying on Hamilton's strategy of carrying on on the on the inters, he would have been in contention for the win for the mid, a lot of the race. I think Hamilton would have got it because of the DRS, similar to a movie did on Perez. But I think Vettel was also going to be well up there. Probably would have made it much tighter fight for the last 10, 15 laps or so. I think Vettel could have potentially been in the fight for the win for this race. So I think brilliant drive from him. Yeah, I, I, it's weird I, to say this year. I, I think Leclerc could have been in the fight for the win had he had a yeah. better start because his pace on the intermediates was outstanding. It was incredible. The way he flew, he, he flew through the field uh, by... I think he undercut a few drivers uh, yeah, in the did. middle of the race. Yeah, that was incredible too. Uh, yeah, it was a really good day for both of the Ferrari drivers. Uh, I am having to move on quickly because we are running out of time. Uh, <laughs> it was it's all right. We can talk about Ferrari also. a bit more actually because I think they do deserve yeah, a lot of mention. And yeah. I think Leclerc beat himself up after not getting a podium, having lost it at the third, fourth to last corner, just locking it slightly only so slightly as he locked the wheel um giving Perez back third uh, second place and giving Vettel um actually a sniff at second for Vettel as well um but I think both Ferraris have performed fantastically and the Ferrari has really changed as a car throughout the season we talk about um Mercedes and Rebel in development and Mercedes haven't really developed their car this year but normally Mercedes can develop a car very nicely as can Rebel um Ferrari have developed this car. Yeah, they, they started with quite a low basis for this car, um, let's say, with their, with their Austrian dog of a car. You've got an onboard at Austria. Got a second place. Got a second place out of nowhere because you'd look at an onboard and you'd think it was they were driving like they were driving at Turkey this weekend. That's what that car looked like on a normal track. But then they've, they've upgraded that car. They've stabilized that car, crucially, for both Vessel and Leclerc which says a lot because they're two drivers with very different driving styles and can both be within a few seconds of each other at the flag this weekend. Um, third and fourth for Ferrari. Excellent job. Hats off to them, actually, I'd say. And if they can carry that kind of development basis into 2021, maybe if the only the car that we'll see making significant gains for next year, if it's all going to remain relatively similar, will probably be Ferrari. Can they, though? It'd be the most Ferrari thing ever for, well, <laughs> to, to just like stall right now. Yeah, but yeah, you know, looking at this race in isolation, especially for Vettel, obviously had a tough year. We've criticised him. I've criticised him. But, you know, it's, it's something for him to hold on to, something for Aston Martin to kind of point to yeah. as well and, you know, take as a positive. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's, I'm, I am happy for him. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad for Leclerc that he went for it at the second slash corner. He was ahead, but he tried to break ridiculously late off wide. Uh, but he is, he is the kind of driver when he gets a, an opportunity, he takes it. Mm. And he, he, most of the time he does execute it, as we saw earlier mm. in the year at Silverstone yeah. in Austria when he gets those podium chances. So he went for it again today. He broke probably five, ten metres too late. That was the difference between mm. second and fourth. You know, just one of those mistakes. He has made yeah. a few of those small errors, but I think it's only going to make him a stronger and bigger force in the future. I really think him and Verstappen are just going to be like that. It's going to be mental. Yeah. Uh, yes. Is that enough on Ferrari, Freddie, for you? Yes, I am satisfied. Thank yes, you. You're satisfied? Yes. Good. What else is on the list? <laughs> uh, <laughs> We've spoken about Red Bull a bit already. Shall we speak about Albon or not? I don't know. Yeah, if we're let's speak about Albon. Oh God! Yeah. <laughs> said, it earlier, said it earlier, Nigel. That weirdly, this wasn't a race where Albon let down Red Bull. It seemed to be a race where Red Bull let down Albon a bit. He, yeah. he early on, definitely he he was genuinely in the pace, had the right pace that he needed to have. He was sticking with the people he needed to stick with, with Verstappen, Vettel, Hamilton. Um, and as much as all of them could stick with the racing points. So he was doing what he needed to do. But it seems to be that just think, things transpired against him. Yeah, he had one spin and let Hamilton through. And I think that forced him into another pit stop. And that was his fault, to be fair. But it's only his fault because he was driving the car. A lot of the spins today, if you really look at them, just look like what else could they have done to not spin there? 
And I think Albon, and actually for a lot of the drivers, had spins like that. One or two of Bottas's as well. Um, not all of them. You look at them and think, there's nothing they could have done to have not spun the car there. And I think it's a bit of a shame, a lot of all of the, what's got on today for a lot of drivers with that kind of scenario. Yeah, he was driving really well, I thought, actually. Like you said, he was on the pace of Verstappen for once. Uh, yeah, just a small error that it cost him big time, I guess. Uh, but even if he had won, or even if he got on the podium, I don't think, you know, would it be enough to justify it just on one race, one great race? I don't know. No, not for me. No, I think I'd, I'd agree that, and especially because it's not a standard race, how many yeah. races like this are you going to get? Maybe not even one a year, um, you know, but certainly not much more than that. Um, so, you know, I think he's he's maybe another one that, you know, it's better just to focus on the you know, specific race rather than bigger picture for this week. And yeah, you know, it's a, it's a shame for him. It's one of those that, you know, it breaks for some drivers and not for others. And, you know, this week it was one that didn't break for him. Yeah. Now, Valtteri Bottas, he has had a lot of criticism post-race, getting lapped by teammate Lewis Hamilton uh, towards the end. Uh, I mean, I think he's won four Eventually or five times. Right. Yeah, this is from four or five times in the Grand Prix. Uh, and it was it was just horrible. It really was. I thought Monza was bad enough. But this wasn't great. He, I think he did have damage. Uh, that's not been confirmed yet. But even still, the pace difference. I mean, I mean, you could barely keep it on the track, Freddie. There's one driver you need to think about and try and emulate when you come to Turkey, and that's Felipe Massa. <laughs> he won three races at Turkey and arguably is the man at Istanbul Park. Hamilton today only become, has only become the second repeat race winner at Istanbul after Massa. But the way Bottas emulated Massa was a Silverstone 2008 performance by spinning all over the shop when you're trying to save a championship. And it, it really, all it does to me is just prove Hamilton's worth. You can't say to Ham, anyone that Hamilton is about the car when the guy in the car wasn't running in the points from that one. The guy in the other car. He was the highest-placed finish driver. That's kind of the best we can really say about him, I think. Uh, did he beat Raikkonen? <laughs> yeah, by one oh, position. Okay, I didn't think he did. Um, yeah, oh, I think as, as you said and we've alluded to already, it just kind of does show the difference between kind of one of the greatest of all time, if not the, and, you know, a good rating driver and Very race good. winner. Uh, yeah. yeah, and... What can you say? He'll, he'll be, you know, he'll be back. I think this is a bit of an oddity for him, and that he yeah, was so okay. far off the pace. But you know, it's just kind of again these races that show the difference. And like you say, Nigel, it is rumoured that he had, um, I want to say, power steering issues. We might not have had full power steering working for the whole race. Um, that's what I've seen. I Mike might be did Benner at Monaco and didn't stop him. So. Oh yes, take it while going, you? Yeah, I think because he, he had contact, yes, at the first corner. But now he spun by himself on the first corner trying to avoid Ocon. But then he did make contact with yeah. Ocon later in the lap. So that might be where the damage came from when they tangled in, in spots wheels. So, yeah. Don't be too harsh on Valtteri Bottas, people. He's, he's a very good driver, I think. I think Glenn, Glenn Freeman from the race tweeted halfway through kind of to whom it may concern, Valtteri's just been lapped. Which was quite hard. <laughs> yeah. Good tweet, value. It was a good tweet. Uh, McLaren salvaged a day, I thought, today because he great. kind of went under mm. the radar to finish... In fifth and eighth was Sainz and Norris. It wasn't they only, good they, only got, they only got five fewer points than Racing Point. They've actually kept that. You look yeah. at today in isolation, as we have been a lot. That's the, the phrase of us today as a podcast is in isolation. Um, and that um, Racing Point got a second place. They've been performing brilliantly. You'd expect third in the championship. The constructors to be so swinging to them. But they only got five more points than McLaren. That fight's way still not finish at all for McLaren at all. At all, at yeah. all, at all. At all. Yeah, they recovered from a bad qualifying, the grid penalties as well for Norris. 
Uh, I think both drivers didn't get the best of starts either. But towards the, the end, of, end of the race, those uh, the Sainz and Norris were the two quickest guys on the track, I think, at, at one point. And that's what really got them into the bat into the battle uh, for those well for the sites for the podium. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it was a they they limited the damage on a day where Racing Point could have you know gone gone away with the third place battle for the constructors championship. I think if um because the the McLaren didn't perform so well on the full wets but did work on the intermediates really nicely. Mm. I think if McLaren had got into Q three. They would have been well up there with the racing points and the rebels actually at the front of the grid at the sharp end on the intermediates. I think there's a lot if they got into Q3, if they could work the full wets a bit better, then that's that's when McLaren basically lost a podium this race. Maybe even lost the race is that they couldn't quite work the full wets as well as some of the other cars, mm. as well as even the Alfa Romeos in qualifying. So yeah. that's when McLaren really lost big, in my opinion. I agree. Yeah. Uh, and- Conversely, Renault they were had a bit of a trickier weekend. They just got yeah. one point. They just didn't have the pace. I'm not sure what. Well, I guess this is this is just like Portimao. You can't read too much into it because of the track conditions, the circumstances, the weather, the tires. Uh, yeah, you can't really dwell into it too much, really. I mean, they, they, they did both make Q3. I mean, I imagine that was yeah. what you were about to say. Yeah. They did both make Q3. It wasn't like McLaren were kind of off the pace or you know whatever it wasn't just they were completely out of it they didn't make q3 i don't think they were poor in practice um but kind of yeah when when it came to it they just didn't didn't have a good race yeah at the start the renos were up there they were um unfortunately they sort of pincered each other um because otherwise they could have been in sort of a fourth and fifth position um going into the first around the first lap because ricardo got a mega start and ocon got a mega start compounded as well by the red bull's poor starts Unfortunately, it's um it was a bit like um, Spa a few years ago in 2016. I want to say where three just tries to get into one tight apex, and that's what spun Ocon out. And I think actually Ricardo might have tapped Hamilton as well and got squeezed in there because um, yeah. then Ricardo seemed to drop back a bit and the Red Bulls swamped him as well. So that I was think, a racing incident, Freddie. Yeah, a complete racing yeah. incident. Yeah, yeah you, no way that Ocon could have seen anyone. He had to turn in, otherwise he would have driven off the track. Um, so I think. If um, just because Hamilton had his nose in there as he should do, it was lap one. Hamilton got a brilliant start as well. So they, there's a lot of what ifs at the start of this race with Renault. They could have been in a fantastic position, but bit of bit of a touch, bit of a tap, and Ocon got was at the back, and then he got a puncture later on in the lap from an incident with Bottas, um, mm. and Ricardo just basically was hanging on in there. Yeah, and remarkably, in a race like we had on Sunday, the Alpha Tauris, well, Alpha Tauris actually, the Williams Haas and Alpha Romeo cars didn't really get near the points. It was still a pretty, a relatively normal top 10 with the drivers in it. Yes, in a bit of a weird order. Uh, but yeah, it, but nevertheless, what a weekend Istanbul put on. It was, it was one of the most, it was, I've not been that excited about F1 at certain times this year, but this weekend was probably the most excited I've been since the first or second races of the 2020 F1 season. I think what you can say about this race, the way I've been looking at it, is that it's given us what Portimao wanted to give us at the start. Yeah. And we, when you watch the first mm. laps at Portimao, I was hopping up and down going, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> and you, in the back of your mind, you're like, it'll be back to normal in five or six laps. <laughs> but... um. With this race, it was like, it's not going to be back to normal because this is the normal. That's really cool. And that's the way I was looking at it. And I really, yeah, really enjoyed it. Brilliant race. Um, unpredictability is king. That's what we want. Absolutely. Adam? Yeah, I think my main takeaway, or not my main takeaway, but one of the interesting points is that being from a cold country doesn't make you good in cold, wet conditions. <laughs> um, you know? That's just an interesting fact that my fans I was looking through, you've got Kvyat, uh, Bottas, Raikkonen, Magnussen, or, you know, miles out the points, and then Spain, Monaco, Mexico, all doing well up in the, uh, up in the points. So, yeah, that's just a nice little uh, thing. And, I don't know, I think it's a shame. It's a shame in one sense that we didn't get to see Turkey 
as a normal track how it would be. I hope that we do get to see that next season yeah. because you know it, it just be nice to see. But equally, is it's going to be one of the races of the decade, I think, yeah. um, and kind of one of the races of the V six era. And you know we should feel lucky to have been treated to that. And the fact that it was a race like that, and it was also the title decider ish. Yeah. Is yeah, yeah is it's brilliant. I mean, even after qualifying, I was prepared to do an hour long podcast straight after <laughs> that because I was just buzzing after it. It was one of the best qualifying sessions in a long time. It was just so so good to see the drivers on the limit. Uh, I think that's all we've got time for though. So, what do I say here? Oh, yeah, I meant to promote the podcast, that'll be good, wouldn't it? Yeah, you've heard us on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes. Mm-hmm. ACAST, yeah. whatever that is. Some it's website. The podcast can... provider. Let's not be mean to ACAST. They could shut us down. <laughs> we did. Uh, you can us on Twitter at Winged F1, Fred Coates, 1999, mm. uh, Nigel C. Journal, I don't know if you've got my own tag then, and Adam Dickinson, oh, one. Will we tweet? No, I've changed about... it. No, really. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, will we tweet about motorsport stuff? And Adam tweets about rugby. Which is a motorsport. Mm. Oh, it's still good, though. No. Still good. It could be. Top Gear did it as a motorsport. It did. That was really good. Mm, I liked it. Mm. Let's do that again. Yes. The Wing and It Christmas we'll special. Doing. Let's use Twickenham. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think that's all for now, then. We'll be back in a few days' time to report on any news that's always going on in F1 and any other incidents that fall out from the Turkish Grand Prix after we've done this podcast. So until then, we'll say goodbye. Goodbye.